Hey, before you start today's episode, I just wanted to jump on in and tell you about something so very exciting. I am holding my first ever summit. The Rise Above Summit is going to be on the 20th and the 21st of March and the tickets to it are free. All you have to do is register at theriseabovesummit.com. Now, I have pulled together the most phenomenal lineup for you. Honestly, it's like a who's who of the online world. So if you have an online business that you want to grow, so you're either a course creator, a membership owner, or a coach and do offer group programs, then this is definitely the summit for you. You are going to learn everything you need to know from the best experts out there in terms of growing that business. Let me just give you a little rundown of some of the speakers that we've got speaking. We've got the amazing Amy Porterfield, who's going to be sharing with us about growing her audience and basically creating a million dollar online business. We've got the phenomenal Michael Hyatt, who is a New York Times bestselling author, who's going to be talking to us about getting organized in our business. We've got Mike from the Membership Guys, who's going to be talking about using free content to sell your online membership. We've got Lucy Street from Adobe Express sharing the secret source of social media. We've got Graham Cochran, who's talking about a million dollar life giving business formula. And I do an amazing interview with him. We have Adrian Salisbury talking about three keys to maximizing your on camera presence. We have Kirsten Miller, Mary Hyatt, Joy Ann Boyce. Uh, we have Fifi Mason, Robin Kennedy. We have Kylie Lang, Melanie Moore, Jen Lena, Natalie Bullen, Liz Mosley. Like the list goes on and on and on. We honestly have the most phenomenal people. We also have various different activities that you can take part in that go from meditation to tapping to doing marketing in 10 minutes. So we've got lots of fun things and there's also competitions to get amazing swag. So go and check out theriseabovesummit.com. It will be linked in the show notes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Go and find it in my social media. Get your free ticket. And after you get your free ticket, you will be given the opportunity to upgrade to our VIP pass. And our VIP pass means that you can watch any of these sessions whenever you want. Because the one thing about putting on such an amazing summit with such a big and amazing lineup is that we can't fit them all in two days. And in order to fit them in, we're doing tracks. So you will get to pick between three different speakers of which one to watch live. And unless you've got the VIP passed, you won't be able to watch the speakers that you've missed. So do check that out as well. It's honestly going to be amazing. I am so very excited about it and I can't wait to see you there. Really think what is so important to do now is to scale intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it is a bit back to the basics. I think when we talk about online business 2014-15, I guess I was like hugely influenced by this and I thought, oh, I don't have an online business if I don't have an online course. Oh, wow, yeah. I don't have sales funnels. There must be something wrong with me if I don't have sales yeah. funnels all automated. And I have never had really sales funnels, to be honest. You are listening to Your Dream Business Podcast, episode 270. You are listening to Your Dream Business Podcast, and I am your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you are a business owner who is striving to build a business and a life that you dream of on your own terms and doing something that you love, 
then this is the podcast for you. Each week, I will share with you business, marketing, and mindset tools and strategies that I have used to start and grow my own dream business, as well as the dream businesses of hundreds of business owners from around the world. So if you're ready, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. How are you doing? This week, I have an interview for you, and it's with the lovely Sigrun. Now, you know, we talk a lot about the online space. Well, what if someone's been in the online space for a while and they've had success and they've seen success and they've created a big business? How does that look now? How does that look for people who have been in the industry? And what does the online world look like now? And how can we navigate the online world if you want to be an online business? So, those are the conversations I have with Sigrun. Those are the kind of things that we discuss on today's interview. We also talk about new ways in which we can do business online, new ways of reaching out. And is it all about the numbers? Because for me, it's not. And I was going to say any more. Not sure it ever really was, but I think I thought it was because that's what I was taught. So for me, it's about, you know, that connection and how can we can get that connection and how can we do things differently? If things aren't working as they used to, how can they be done differently? So this is what we talk about. So without further ado, I'm just going to hand over to the lovely Sigrun. So I am very excited today to welcome to the podcast, Sigrun. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And thank you for having me, Teresa. My absolute pleasure. So Sigrun, I always start the podcast exactly the same way, which I joke must bore my audience, but I think they're okay with it. Could you take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us how you got to do what you're doing today? Oh, we could do the long version or the short version. I'll try to keep it short, otherwise we're here for an hour. Okay. (laughs) Well, I am from Iceland originally, and then I had moved to Switzerland to be with my husband. And basically, I lost my job twice in two years. And I had also been sick for seven months. So I was in this weird space of thinking, do I really want to work for another person and not be able to take care of my health? And my backstory was that I had been a CEO for 10 years for various small businesses, mainly in IT software. And so there also comes a point where you say, I'm always running other people's businesses. Why shouldn't I be running my own? But I was waiting for that perfect idea perfect business idea to come along and it just didn't come and you know it's supposed to happen in the shower or when you go for a walk or something like that but now I think for most people it doesn't happen that way it only happens when you actually get going when you actually do something and then you realize oh I like this or I don't like this and it's hard to kind of tell someone else who is at the starting point that they just need to get going. But that's really the only way. And I got so frustrated with myself. I had been switching the theme of my WordPress website multiple times. And then I gave myself a deadline of two days. And of course, I could take a decision once there was a deadline. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to be your own boss. It's hard to, there's no one telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want. One day you can do nothing. The next day you're busy on social media. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually lead to sales, but you felt you were busy on social media. So I went through all these cycles. I spent a lot of time on Facebook back in the day, 2013, 2014. And finally, I wrote my first blog post. And the name of the blog post was very kind of revealing for the theme of my life back then was like, why start before you're ready is the only way. 
Yeah. I was basically t- talking to myself, writing a few blog posts, setting up my email list software. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have a business, but one day it hit me. I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I was, I was running around a little bit like uh, in the book Alchemist. Uh, if you haven't read the book Alchemist, really, everybody needs to read it. It's from Paul Coelho. And it's more like almost, it's like an adventure. It's written like a children's book, but actually it's very much meant for grown-ups. So this boy is looking for a treasure and he goes traveling all over the world looking for a treasure. Then he comes back, hasn't found the treasure. And where is it? In his backyard. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly how I figured out what I was meant to do. I had been a CEO for 10 years. I'd been done business consulting. I'd done startup, mergers, turnaround, you name it. And then I find myself not coming up with a business idea. And it was mm-hmm. right there in front of me. Being a business coach was just what I was meant to do. And when I finally accepted it, you know, first the word coach was like, do I really yes. want to be one of those coaches? But I was like, yes, that's me. And, you know, at least I can say I have real business experience. I've done it before and now I'm going to help others do it. So that's kind of what brought me to the place of actually doing what I do today. I love it. So with being a business coach, how did you start? Did you start doing one-to-one? Was it, did you go straight online with an online business? How did you start building that business up? That was another frustrating phase where in my mind, you only have an online business if you have an online course. And and I started with a four-week online course, pretty much based on my own experience, how to find your true passion and the right business idea. That was my first yeah. four-week online course. And then after doing that for a while, it was already fall of my first year. And I calculated that I had been making $17,000 for in nine months. I'd made $17,000. My email list was $1,500. I was doing weekly webinars. I was, I was creating a lot of free valuable content. And again, I got very frustrated. That's where I make the biggest turnaround in my business. And I decided to get outside help. I thought I could really do this on my own. And I wasn't willing to hire a coach or join a program. I was like, I have business experience. I know what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. I've done an online course. Why do I need help? And I had to admit, you can't coach yourself. And if you're stuck, somebody else needs to open up and see your blind spots and make you aware Mm -hmm. of what you can do differently. And literally, when I invested those $5,000 into my first business coaching program, literally the same day or the next day, I got an email, someone asking me if I did one-on-one coaching. And I was like, wow, I didn't really be, believe in that stuff where you say like, you know, yeah. energy. And I'm like, oh, this is true, this works. So mm-hmm. I invested myself and then literally the money came back. And not just that, I earned 55000 in three months. Wow. And so there was like a shift in my head. I had been preparing everything. I had people that I liked what it was doing, but I wasn't mm-hmm. making the right offer. Mm-hmm. And so I started this one-on-one. I tried to sell an online course and my business coach said, no, Sigrun, I think you should do one-on-one. I said, no, I want to sell an online course. I was really one of those yeah. <laughs> hard to coach people. Uh, and I, I did a webinar. I had a sales page. Of course, I hadn't created the course yet, but I had a sales page. Mm-hmm. One person bought. And that this is like two or three days into the launch and one person had bought and had 600 people on the webinar. So wow. it was obvious that something was off and it was not working. I refunded the person, but 
you know, I'm a turnaround expert myself. So I was like, mm-hmm. we must be able to turn it around. There are people still reading my emails. They must want something yeah. from me. And then we came up with one of my best emails where I just listed all the things I've been doing the last nine months. And if they wanted an online business breakthrough call with me mm-hmm. and 90 calls got booked. And for the next three weeks, I was crazy busy talking to just all these calls. people. Yeah. And I was fully booked for the next six months. That's crazy. That's so good. And that was then going into one-to-one. So you, cause you now have a mixture of on online products and this is, this is the interesting thing, isn't it? I, I have obviously membership and courses and things, and I do one-to-one as well. And, and I class it all as online because I'm doing it online. Although weirdly, not weirdly, it's amazing. Someone's flying over from the States to spend a day with me, which I'm like, wow, like not only are you paying to be with me for the day, but you're actually flying here, which is crazy. I'm so excited. But so, so yeah, so now you have, tell us about how the business looks today. Yeah. So, uh, I was doing one-on-one, a little bit against my will, you could yeah. say, because I thought it wasn't scalable. And because I had been running businesses before, and one of the businesses that I ran in the past was a website business. And the only way to make more money, you know, assuming that you have enough clients out there, was to hire mm-hmm. more programmers. And I decided one day, if I ever have my own business, I will not have a business that's so based on hours. We were selling hours. And literally now I found myself having great success. I was making more than six figures for one-on-one only, but Mm. I was still selling my time. And I quickly wanted to get out of it. So in my second year of business, I started a group coaching program. And so over the span of 12 to 18 months, I created three levels of Mm. what I called masterminds. But to be honest, they were probably more like group coaching programs. Mm -hmm. And I started to you know, replace the one-on-one in terms of revenue. I still had one-on-one. It was a 2017 in my fourth year of business that I really created a scalable signature online program. Mm. And then I started to phase out the one-on-one completely. So I haven't been doing one-on-one really since 2017, but there is a lot of access, you know, some of my programs, there may be just eight or 10 people in the program. So they do get a lot of access to me. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. So then in fourth year of business, I created this 12-month program. <laughs> and I also like, I had this great vision for the program. People come to me and in 12 months, they learn everything they need to know in online business. Mm-hmm. It's, it, as, as, as experts, we think differently than our students. So we sometimes mm-hmm. not always know what's best for them. So I had to make much mistakes. So lots of people bought the program. I thought it was great success. One and a half years into the program, I start to see what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. 12 modules in 12 months. People don't do the work. Like people don't no. have the stamina for long programs. Not in the beginning. When you have beginners, you need to have shorter programs. The more beginner, the shorter the program. Mm-hmm. When people are more advanced, longer programs. Then people want six or 12 month programs. So mm-hmm. I find myself with beginners and I call them sometimes advanced beginners. People who have kind of started to do something in online business, but they haven't had real success yet. They were in this program and they're just watching my videos and not mm-hmm. doing the work. And I, I got so frustrated. I got frustrated with the students, but also with myself. Like, who am I mm-hmm. to sell this program if they're not doing the work? So I must change. It's my fault 
I have to take responsibility. And, you know, I didn't have any regrets. I hadn't done anything like wrong, not knowingly, not knowingly, but I figured out there must be a better way. And so I said, I'll do some sort of a challenge, like have them do some work in the summer. And specifically the summers were frustrating to me because in Europe, women just take off. Yeah. You know, they take off for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks. And they don't work on their business. So no wonder their businesses stay small or there is not much business when they come back to the fall. And I was like, I'm going to make sure they don't take a break in the summer and that they actually do something. And that's when I came up with a brand new program. First, I just ran it for my students in the program. Mm-hmm. And I called it Samba Summer School. The program was called Samba, Sigrun Samba MBA. And it was everything that I hoped for and more. I decided they would create an online course because I thought it would be best. It was like an asset to something tangible. After the summer, they have a course. Now they're mm-hmm. more excited about continuing to build their business. And so I just seeded this program. I really hadn't created it. I just knew they want, uh, that I would have them create a course. Yeah. And 124 courses got created that first summer. Courses that would otherwise not have been created. And people who had been in in my program for six months were finally taking action. And I was exhausted after the summer, to be honest. I was very very proud, but exhausted. And I said, where do I take my business from here? Now I've been four years in business. This is like, no, this was my fifth year. Sorry. This was my fifth year in business. And I was like, what do I do now? Like my best program is a free challenge inside a paid program. I wasn't ready to take a decision yet. I was really just exhausted also myself from running this alone. No help. I had no no team, really. Mm. And then the following year comes along, 2019, I started to get messages and emails if I would do it again. And I just got exhausted thinking about it. So mm. I sent a heartfelt email out to my students who had been in the program and said, I need some volunteers to help me run it. And 40 yeah. people, 40 people filled out no. the form. And I thought, I have 40 people is a little bit too much. So I accepted 20. And we did it again from the summer school. This time, 264 courses got created. And again, it was a challenge within a paid program. So I still hadn't solved, like, how do I do this? Yeah. But right after the program, it was clear to me, like, this is it. This is my signature mm-hmm. program. It's a 10-week program. It's not a 12-month program. Finally, yeah. it got people to take action. It was not too long, the program. You know, they can work. You can work a little bit harder for a short amount of time, but yeah. not for 12 months. And we had a lot of accountability. We would check on people, make sure they did the work. So in fall of 2019, I shifted and made this my main thing. I still kept the 12-month program like a back-end membership. Yeah. So I do have a membership, but it's not public. And so Kickstart, now it's called Kickstart, this thing that I mm. created. And now I love the story because it's it, it, was created organically out of frustration. It was opposite of what I saw was wrong. Like you see, Mm. in the industry, I I thought I was creating a great program. Mm. I was basically emulating what I saw others create and I had to find my own way. And that's Mm. great, but you cannot do it in the first year of business. You have to dive in. You have to do what you think Mm -hmm. works. And then you'll figure out with feedback from students and your own observation that there's another way, there's your way. Of, yeah. of, of teaching. And I felt so good that I had found my way. I was like, yeah, I like to, I like to push people. I like to motivate them. I like to kick them in yeah. the butt. And so the yeah. main kicks that were, were perfect. And so that's the first program that I recommend everyone go, go through on the journey that I offer them. Yeah. And then I have 
And then I have a 12-month group coaching program, but we've gone through an interesting there. And this is fairly new. I, this is the first time I talk about this. <laughs> Actually, it's not on my website yet, so nobody knows it. But the thing is, uh, you before we started to record this episode, you were like, oh, yeah, are there any changes? I noticed, even though that people are a little bit further in business, 12-month mm-hmm. program is a, is a, is a, is a huge both yeah. investment financially and time-wise. Mm-hmm. And the trend I am seeing, what was easy to sell before as a 12-month program, now you have to offer people to maybe join for mm-hmm. three months or six months. It could still be the same program. Yeah. But you offer people to join for a shorter amount of time, and they basically then can opt for, you know, just continuing. Yeah. And when I was thinking, like, how do you do this best, is actually having the three month fairly high compared to the 12. So you are having them invest more. Otherwise, it's yeah. unfair to those who are willing to invest for 12 months. Yes. But, yeah. But after three months, you can tell them, hey, you can now pay the difference or at least you get, you know, a fair offer yeah. for the next nine months. So, the, so this yeah, is the yeah. change that I've been seeing last one or two years. And now specifically with the economic situation, you know, people mm. are not stopping spending money, but they're more careful. So if yeah. someone has the option of three months versus 12 months, and I'm spending maybe one third, yes. even if it's like one fourth of the time, but I'm spending one yeah. third, that sounds a better deal right now mm. to test this coach, to test this program. Yeah. And that's, and the cool thing about that is that we are seeing upfront payments on those investments mm-hmm. versus on the 12 months people opt for the payment plan. So if you're thinking as a course creator, mm-hmm. this is a smart thing to do because cash flow is king. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, and then I have and a final program on the top for those who want to make the million red circle mastermind. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went through, I had to look at it actually, and it looks really good. And then I looked at your, you did a retreat or something with them as well. And that looked amazing. But I think you're right. I think, especially now, people are nervous to invest. I know, and you're right, you know, someone's just agreed to fly everywhere with me for a day. So it's not that there isn't the money. It's mm-hmm. just the how we package it up and how we look. And the other thing I think is so important, and you must have found this, and I'm interested to get your take on the online space, but is I don't mind and I am happy for someone to test me out, for someone to check that I am the right coach for them, that I show up the way I say I show up, that I am the type of person I say I am. Because there, I think, and like I said, I'd love to get your opinion on this, I do think there are a lot of people in this space who who don't quite match up to the, to the presence that they're showing or it doesn't quite live up to expectation. And I think a lot of people have been burnt by that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. Now we were recently doing a, a smaller launch and a lot of people, you know, decided to join us maybe next time we run the program, yeah. but the feedback we got, and that's maybe the approach I want to talk to you about why we got that feedback is like, but you give so much, you have such a personal approach. Like they are, they are in, you know, they haven't mm-hmm. bought yet, but they're in my world. And, yeah. uh, they 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 are convinced that this is the right next step for them. Maybe they need to finish another program. Maybe they need to right. save up or whatever. Right. Whatever. They they will come when mm. they're ready. And I'm not in the convincing business. If it's not the right, right time for someone, it's not the right time. But I will, of course, tell the stories where I think I'm never ready for anything and I still jump in and all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, 
I really think what is so important to do now is to scale intimacy. Mm -hmm. And so it is a bit back to the basics. I think when we talk about online business 2014-15, I guess I was like hugely influenced by this. And I thought, oh, I don't have an online business if I don't have an online course. Oh, wow, I don't have sales funnels. There must be something wrong with me if I don't have sales funnels all automated. And I have never had really sales funnels, to be honest. I have never had automated courses. Everything I have offered has had a touch of there's a Facebook group. There are yeah, coaches. There's calls. a live so, element. Yeah. There's a live element to it. And I just saw myself that I, 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 if I buy a self-study course, I will buy it. <laughs> I will open it up. Maybe, maybe, yeah. but that, that's it. Nothing happened because yeah. there's no accountability. There's no people to meet. There's no one to discuss. No. There's no, yeah. no one that really can answer your question. Mm-hmm. And not just that, you know, I love launching. But launching has also changed in a way that we do a lot more to try to get in touch with people. So one of the things that I, and this is before we were in the situation we find ourselves in this year, but I I already started it last year. So at the end of each year, I love telling stories. And I started many years ago to send out emails, year one, year two, year three, so people on my email list, they would have like a, I don't know, it's like a, a little blog post, but like, what yeah. did I do in year one? What did I do in year two? Yeah. So Because on your email list, you might have absolute beginners and they are fired up reading about year mm-hmm. one and two. And then there are people further in business and year two and three sounds, three and four sounds exciting mm-hmm. to them. And then people even further than anything, oh, I think year six and seven. So I started to write one email per year. And the beginning was cool. I would do it between Christmas and New Year. And then the emails became more than the time be- between Christmas and New Year. So I was yeah. like, how do I do this? I was I was getting into first year. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. So I said to my team last year, we are going to do this middle of December. This, it was completely different. I had always done this after Christmas and, you know, yeah. December 27th and then into the year. I was like, I'm going to do it differently this time. Because it's now eight emails. It's like, how do I fit this in? And, you know, sending daily emails and you're not really selling anything, you know, it's, but almost no unsubscribes because mm. you're telling this story of, of yeah. how I built my business. But what I added to the email was always a reply to me, call to action. Yeah. A different call to action, you know, depending on what I felt was right for the email. Mm-hmm. And people would write back their stories. And I had a team responding personally to each person. And within a few days, we had 300 replies and sometimes the same people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, and then we tagged them. We tagged them in our system and said, hey, they replied to the, the year end yeah. emails, we call them. Yeah. And then we launched a month later. Yeah. And the conversion from these people was the highest. Yeah, yeah. You don't need, a, you know, when I'm launching, we try to get 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 leads, mm-hmm. but you only need a couple of hundred actually responding to you or even just a few dozen. Yeah. It's the people that respond. It, it's the quality of the leads. It's not the measure. So yes, I love yeah, launching, but we have, I call it the ping pong strategy, you know, okay. ping pong, like table tennis, you know, yeah. they reply and they say something and I reply back. And yeah. you don't cut, cut off the conversation by saying, oh, I have a program for you. Buy here. Here's the yeah. link. No, no. Mm-hmm. 
it's only once they say, I would like to join or where do I get on the insider li- yeah. uh, wait list? Yeah. Then you share. It's like, really, if you're talking to a friend, would you go to a friend and say, here, buy from me, here's the link, yeah, without nice. them having a conversation first? No. And I felt the online business was going very much that route of, yeah, hey, we were just, just want to sell the thing. And I'm like, no, it's a relationship. We need to build it up. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, and let's say scaling, I'm not replying to those emails, but I read them all. In Slack, we have connected yeah. our help desk and I see every single email that comes in, but I do not have time to respond to hundreds of yeah. emails. But they are responded to in a way that, you know, I, it feels right to me. I have a really, yes. they are even better at responding than I would, you know, <laughs> some of my team members. I yeah, but it. this is just one way of, of, of really going back to basics. What if we didn't have the internet and all these tools mm-hmm. that we have? How would we sell? We would build a relationship. And then when mm. the person is ready, they say, okay, where is this thing? Yeah. I want to buy it. Yeah. And how yeah. can you take that into email? We love doing it over email. I think a lot, not mm-hmm. enough people, everybody's picking it on social media. But I find no, email to be best for me. Yeah. Mm. It's the best tool to have this conversation. They're more thoughtful, the responses I feel, yes. than over DM. We offer DM as well. And that we also yeah. use heavily when we're promoting something. In the latest launch I did, I even was very direct. I said, we are promoting this program. Mm-hmm. You know, I hadn't opened the doors yet. I said, we are promoting this program. We will be opening doors soon. If you are curious to know more, or you even maybe know that you want to join, see it yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. Then we get the hot leads that they tell it themselves that they want mm. to know more. And uh, this is so easy. This is not salesy. This is so easy. This is mm-hmm. just a bit like, let's go back. You can't automate everything. And people mm. don't want it anymore. You can automate something else. For instance, when I have someone schedule a call with me or, you know, yeah. you know, on the podcast, you can have, if someone books a call, you can have it yeah. all automated and a Google Doc is created and yeah. this person is notified. That's great. And we could all do that. But we cannot automate the human-to-human connection. No. And I think you're right. And for me, that's something that, that I'm looking at more and more. I've done a few in-person events in the last year and a half. I've got three planned for next year. Just because there is nothing more valuable, not only from a, an experience, my experience and how I do it, you know, because I like being in a room of people. I like feeling the energy from them. So I love that. But also what happened at my first, well, I did a couple of real VIP events and then I did a more general event. And when I did the general event, I didn't realize the power of having my audience in there mixing with newer audience. So I'd got Mm. members who had been in my world forever and them talking to these people who maybe this was the first thing they'd seen me do in person, might've been the first time we'd met. And the conversations that happened in that room were just phenomenal because it was like so natural, so it was just, it was just really nice. And they were like, if you love this, you're going to love the club. You're going to love doing this. And, and that was just, if you were looking at a sales tactic, like that was not what I thought, but wow, it was a really, really good thing to happen. But again, I was really comfortable with that because 
they were sitting in a room with people who work with me all the time and I'm stood in front of them. So they're getting Mm. to test me out. They're getting to see how I am with my members and how, you know, how well I know them and how much we have a laugh and all that kind of thing. So I think you're right. I think that person stuff is, is huge. So you have had the craziest last few weeks with some very exciting things. So firstly, you have launched a book, which is very, very exciting. So tell us about your book. Yeah, I decided to write a book about my course, this experience that I shared before. Like, how did I come up with this course and what are the steps? What are the steps that kickstart your online business? That's basically the name of the book. But, you know, the the book, writing a book was inside of me for a long time. And I know that you've written a book too. And I think I was six years old when I thought I would be an author. (laughs) It took me a few more years to actually write a book. And and I, I always thought that my first book would be this massive book about how to be successful in online business. But then I thought, oh, I might be making the same mistake as I did with my 12-month course. Mm-hmm. And giving because too much. I know, yeah, I know that book will come because I feel there comes a book where you kind of want to summarize your story and your programs or whatever, or just generally online business from my perspective. But I'm so glad that when I started to explore how to write a book, finally, I've been trying to do it on my own. Didn't work. I had to hire a book writing coach. He said, write a niche book, like very specific. And I was like, I'm so glad I did. It feels so right. Mm -hmm. And this bigger book can come later. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just said, okay, what is the, you know, what do you write a book about? It's typically the entry point into your business. And I was like, well, then it's about Kickstart, my signature program, because that's mm-hmm. where I think most people should start. And uh, it was so great to be able to share all the stories from the women all the way back from 2018, 2019. Some of them are making million dollars now. If I right. had written the book, if I had written the book sooner, my success stories would have not had yeah. the same like stories. Because yeah, it's you'd not have just lost about that. what happens in 10 weeks. It's about what happens afterwards. Yeah. Like how did this 10-week course change their life and businesses and how are they doing today. So I love doing that. And I just finished recording the audio book. Amazing. I'm so excited. And that was a great experience as well. I recorded the book myself, but I got a a team member who is a half British, half German. It was good. It was important to me that she was a non-English speaker as well. And she reads all the success stories, you know, so we have two voices in the book. Nice, nice. Yeah. I love it. Always amazing, you know, it's so, so much support from the community and without asking people, people were in the program 2018, 19, they shared online, they wrote their own version, like, oh, this is a program that changed my online business journey. And now there's a book. But a lot of people ask, like, isn't you're telling the whole, you know, past in the book, why would you do that? Yeah. But that's exactly what you said before. People need to test you and try you. And if mm-hmm. someone reads the book thinking like, wow, she reveals all of this in the book, but we know it. They yeah. still need help to get it done. Yeah. Reading, a, reading a book is not the same as implementing. No. And do you know what? I have read so many books that I have like, you know, so let's take building a story brand or other books like that, that you're like, gosh, this is so good. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm I'm putting it into practice because like you said, it's a book and we're reading it. Whereas we'll need that help. We'll need that accountability or we need the practicality of putting it in our situations, in our life, our business. And that's the other thing is that I think sometimes when people get scared that they're giving too much away, actually 
you're giving away what you decide to give away and you're giving it away from one point of view. You might give some examples of how it worked for this person or that person, but ultimately it's just one point of view. It's not personalizing. And I guess the difference in the online business and the, depending on the kind of structure of things is that we get to personalize it to the people sat in the room type thing. So one question I've got about, um, the one thing that I've always seen that's been a a kind of key thing for an online business is having that audience. And I actually like, because I'm in the UK, I think it's harder for me to build an American audience where the bigger audience is because it's a much bigger country. So how did you build your audience? How did you get in front of the right people? Because obviously you have a really good audience now and obviously you're not in the States. So yeah, how did you do that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm based in Switzerland. I also live in Iceland. Mm. And I, I knew I wanted to build a business in English. I preferred the language over everything else. I speak fluent German, but also Icelandic didn't sound like an option for me. 380,000 people there. Uh, yeah, you're limiting your options. Yes, yeah, but I thought I would uh, be able to target US, Canada, UK, New Zealand, Australia. But the interesting thing, yes, my email list was for a long time, 50-50, 50% American, 50% European. But most of my clients are based in Europe, continental mm-hmm. Europe. I would say 70% of my clients are living somewhere in Central Europe. They have maybe lived up to they have this international exposure or they are an expat or, you know, they, they don't live in the country where they were born. There are all mm-hmm. kinds of reasons. And I'm like, I'm appealing to this audience because I'm a non-native English speaker mm-hmm. and I am based in Switzerland. So I have a huge German speaking. Uh, they mm-hmm. are based in Germany, Switzerland, Austria. Also Eastern Europe, Poland, Czech Republic, also very big mm-hmm. audience. So it's kind of like what was different than I thought. And yes, I do also have people from US and Canada, but really a small portion. UK, also a few, but not mm-hmm. so many. So I think it's easier where you actually are based for a weird reason, even if it's an online business. It yes, is somehow it is. that feel, yeah, people feel like, hey, I, I could drive to her or I could take the train. It's not so far away. And I was like, this is so odd. But even, you know, Scandinavia, I thought, hey, I'm from Iceland. I must be able to attract a lot of people from Norway, Denmark, Finland. Yeah. Not so That's much. Nice. I do have several of those, but it really, the closer to me, I have clients that are literally in the next village here in Switzerland. Yeah. yeah, it is so funny. So uh, it, it developed differently than I thought. And once I realized this, well, it's easier for Facebook targeting and all yes. other targeting too. But it also comes from, you know, we think online business is like, hey, you just do ads. And then you, I did a lot of ads in the beginning mm. and I still do, but they work less than they used to. Uh, mm. So I rely more on affiliate partners now. And that exactly, you know, I have one superstar client maybe in the Czech Republic, he brings in hundreds of clients then. Yeah. So that's, that's how it kind of the ball starts to roll and it's got nothing to do with Facebook ads. So, so now it's like really if someone is a huge success story and they want to be affiliate partner, that's of course great mm-hmm. because then it's a win-win situation. They get a, a very decent commission and, and mm-hmm. I get people from these countries that otherwise I would not have appealed to them directly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good, isn't it? And I think, like you said, it is interesting. It always surprises me how, even though I'm an online business, there are so many people who live literally 
minutes from my house. It's really, really funny. And and I know in my small group coaching program, we we have got together and literally there's some up in Scotland and there are some a bit further away, but obviously the UK is not that big, but there are some that are literally like 10 minutes down the road. It's so, so funny. So funny. Okay. So the other exciting thing that I want to talk about before I let you go is the fact that you went to Necker Island. Oh my goodness. How was that? That was amazing. Something that I thought would never happen. I, I didn't even put it on my vision board because it sounded so absurd. But I remember 2006, I believe, I read one of Richard Branson's book. I think it was called Do It, Let's Do It. Uh, mm-hmm. And But I had to reread this before the trip because I had forgotten what was in it. So there was a new version. But, you know, never in a million years I thought like I could meet Richard Branson. Maybe I had put Oprah on my vision board. And actually, I've yeah. been to Oprah's events. I didn't meet her like in person, but I was at her, one of her live events some years ago. Amazing. Yeah. But when this opportunity came uh, a couple of years back to to go on a, a trip, it's like a charity trip mm-hmm. to Necker Island, I was like, yes, I, yes, I want to do it. And then, you know, the pandemic was, and you thought this also, this started to sound like, okay, it will not happen. It's yeah. all going <laughs> to, no, not work out. And and then you're suddenly there and I'm scrambling to finish reading the book again on the plane. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I want to be prepared. But it was so cool to uh, see, you know, Richard, but also just the island and the staff. Yeah. And they are like one big family. And there is this service mindset like no other. And right. I think that's a huge lesson to kind of like, you got this welcome feeling instantly when you arrive. Welcome to Necker Island. And I was like, mm. oh, can you say that again? Because I did capture the video and then they said it again. <laughs> Welcome to Necker Island. And, you know, there is this service mindset. I, I don't know. It's just like hard to explain, but I think you, you get it. It's like uh, this feeling of yeah. they're there for you. Anything you need, literally anything you need. If I wanted an Icelandic hamburger at midnight, they would make it for me. But um, I didn't I didn't even have thoughts like this. <laughs> no, no, no. Because you wouldn't. So I, yeah. No, it's like, why have them make an extra effort? But yeah, it. and then, of course, Richard. I think we were lucky in many ways that this got postponed a couple of years because yeah. we find himself being 72 years old. It's, it's right after pandemic. He mm-hmm. seems to be traveling a little bit less. And therefore, he was with us every single day. And normally that not, that is not the case. And we, we saw all these different sides of him. We saw him play tennis and he would take time to get to know you, ask you what your business right. is. And, and then, you know, talk about his different projects. He is more into the nonprofit side now. Yeah. I don't call them necessarily charities because some of them are about building up leaders, the okay. leaders of the future. Mm-hmm. He has the elders. That's a group of 12 people that he feels was do- are doing a better job than the UN because the UN has the veto of the bad countries okay. uh, and the elders will be thinking about collectively what's best for the world. And, and it is impressive when he says, for instance, uh, this is also in his book, but he also repeats what a lot of it, what's in the book. That's his stories, of course. Yeah. His biggest regret is not to prevent the Iraq war. And you're like, wow. He could have like, prevented the Iraq Yeah, war. yeah. Like, yeah. it's almost a bit of a shocking thing to say. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's so odd. What was his, yeah. 
did he give some like caveat as to how yeah, he thought he, he could have done that? Yeah, I mean, there was a precedent for removing a crazy leader of a country, mm. letting them step down in a good way, a good way in a way like for them, like they wouldn't see to be losing something. And this had happened in Libya, I believe, before. And now we were talking about Iraq and there were discussions and Saddam Hussein agreed to step away, move to right. Saudi Arabia, I think. But only, of course, if it's done with dignity for him. So okay. it meant there would be a plane coming with Nelson Mandela and Kofi Annan. And they would, you know, with dignity, remove him. You know, yeah. he would leave, of course, on his own terms. And he would move to another country and we would prevent the war. Yeah. And they missed out on one or two days. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It was Gosh, just like you are in front of this man and he is, to me, the ultimate lifestyle entrepreneur. That's another thing. You know, you lifestyle, lifestyle business. People think, oh, it's someone with a laptop at a beach and they yeah. will work a few hours. I think nobody goes with a laptop at a beach unless you want to ruin the laptop. Exactly. I say this all the time. <laughs> exactly. Uh, You'll get sand in the keys. You can't see the screen. Ridiculous idea. <laughs> yeah. But the ultimate lifestyle entrepreneur to me is Richard Branson. He has actually, I think, never really worked in an office. Every yeah. Everything, if, if you read his book, you know, you read his book, it's fascinating. And of course, if you ever have a chance, try to get to Necker Island. Yeah. There's lots of groups that go there. Um, and so he talked about, you know, working from the basement of this and working from his houseboat. And now he works from Necker Island. He wakes up at 5 a.m. in the morning. I couldn't do that. I'm not a morning person, <laughs> but I totally, totally get it. It's, you know, he basically will collaborate with his people in the UK. Mm-hmm. And then when it's afternoon for him, you know, it's evening for them. So he can then play tennis or, yeah, do whatever or whatever. Yeah. So if he works a few hours a day and he does a lot of sport. And I think that's where I walked away. I'm like, I need to move more. He plays tennis twice a day and wow. he is way fitter than any of us. You know, uh, like, and he, he's 72. He has, and you could say, oh, he has a fitness trainer. He has a tennis trainer and he has a nutritionist. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just on this island making sure he's fit and he tests his blood every six months and adjust his diet to his blood. He wants to live as long as possible. And that's what you can do. And we can all do it. We don't need the personal trainer. And yes, okay, the blood test, we could do that too, actually. But it's really about, are we taking a half an hour a day or an hour a day to be fit? Yeah. Because he said, if you're not healthy, what's the point of all this? Yeah, You haven't got a business. You haven't got a life. And I was really taught by how fit he was and how he talked about health and health being a priority. And I'm sure in the beginning, when he was 20s, 30s, it was yeah, probably not maybe. such a priority. Yeah. I didn't read in his book that he was a 40 person back then, but I think at some point he got it. If yeah. we want to live long and have a healthy life and not be sick and be in bed when we're in mm. 70s and 80s, we got to take care of our body. That's, that's our engine and it's yeah. got to be fit. And still eat parties and drink alcohol. So it's not like you have to be boring. Yeah, yeah. it's not like, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's his life. But yeah, that's so good. That's amazing. Yeah. Like, I know a couple of people have been to Necker Island and it just, yeah, it's almost like one of those things, exactly like you said, you wouldn't even put it on your vision board because you wouldn't think for a second that you're going to go and meet him and, and hang out there. And how many days were you there for? 
So what's five days in total? Yeah, and it was just absolutely amazing experience. But after five days, you also think like, I really don't want to live on an island. It's a really small island. So you've seen everything, you've done everything. Yeah. And, and and you just take with you this energy of like, okay, how am I going to change my life? Like, yeah, can I think bigger? That was really also the impression I have with Richard. Like there is this story of, he wanted to have the video screens and the seats of the plane for Virgin yeah. Atlantic. And the investment was 10 million and he didn't have 10 million. So he goes and talks to some banks and sees if he get a loan for 10 million because he wanted Virgin Atlantic to be the first airline to have mm-hmm. video in the back seat. Well, now it's outdated because we have iPads. But back then, that was a super cool thing. And he, mm. you know, he knows what works in marketing and branding. Yeah, yeah he's, he's the excellent. first with gadgets like this yeah nobody wants to give him a loan so and this is where most of us would just i guess give up and wait and you know i'll save up the money or whatever no he called up boeing and asked if he could if he would buy new planes if it would throw in the video screens for free that's brilliant he got a loan for four billion to buy planes but nobody wanted to lend him 10 million for the video. What? That and I'm like, can I think like this? I asked myself. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I want to practice. I want to practice yeah. thinking so crazy. If this thing doesn't work, what if we do it completely yeah. differently? Yeah. What if we just tipped yeah. it on its head and tried the other completely different angle at it? I love that. Yeah. That's so good. So good. Uh, Sigrun, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. I have seen you and followed you. In fact, you and I met many years ago, I think at one of James Wedmore's events in Laguna or somewhere like that. I think you were there and I think we met yeah. then. Uh, so it's really lovely actually to catch up again and hear from you and see all the cool stuff you're doing. Now, obviously we're going to link to everything in the show notes, but is there anywhere particular that you hang out that you would like people to come and say hi to you? I am actually diving into LinkedIn. I oh, I'm not okay. such a video I'm not such a video person. I like text, text and images. So yeah, LinkedIn you can find me on LinkedIn, but you can also find me on Instagram. And of yeah. course, check out my book on Amazon.com. Yeah, absolutely. We will link to it. So Grun, thank you so very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I hope it's given you lots of ideas. And if you're ready to plan your 2023, then make sure you join me for my one-off special workshop that I'm holding on the 30th of November for three and a half hours, where you can plan your 2023, look at your goals, align with your values and who you are, and also do the strategic side of actually putting a plan in place for 2023, including a bonus call in January with me. You can find out more information at treesethrowing.com forward slash 2023. Until then, have an amazing week and I will see you very soon. Thank you so much for listening to Your Dream Business Podcast. And if you loved this episode, then please feel free to go and share it on your social media or head over to iTunes and give me a review. I would be so very grateful.